you're a visitor or a newcomer to our church, uh, what we just did a bit earlier by just taking time and inviting the Holy Spirit to come and to pray for people and to release some words, uh, we, we do that often because we value the person of God in our midst. We don't want to treat God as though he's not in the room. Because the Bible tells us that when two or three or more are gathered in my name, there I am. That's, that's not just good Bible or good theology or good doctrine. That is reality. And if we engage in that reality, if we encourage ourselves to connect more and more with him, guess what? He will manifest himself more and more. He will release more and more of his presence. So that's what we were doing a bit earlier, just having the Holy Spirit, just giving the Holy Spirit a chance to minister to us, to move in our midst. Well, I missed the last uh, service last Sunday because I was away on a mission. I was on a mission, everybody. I was down in Ohio with our friend uh, George. George goes to the main campus. George is a top-notch um, business consultant. He's been consulting for Fortune 500 companies, a very sharp guy, but he's a kingdom guy. And so everything he does is all about the kingdom of God. He wants to influence everything he does, everywhere he goes. He wants to bring the values. He wants to bring the presence of God. He wants to release the good news of Jesus. Of course, uh, also being a wise man, not a wise guy, a wise man, he... Um, he, uh, he wants to do it in a way that is, you know, culturally relevant and appropriate and so on and so forth. So we went down to Ohio because this, there's a group of business people, businessmen, business people down in Ohio who for the last number of years have been um, trying to do the very same thing. They were very successful business people like, you know, big bucks. Nobody's struggling for money down there. Um, they've got tons of money, but the thing is that they're also very kingdom-oriented people, and they want to influence this world with the good news of Jesus, with the gospel of the kingdom. And a number of years ago, they went to Colombia. Uh, just, I'll just keep this very short. Um, they went to Colombia, and uh, through a series of events, they were invited to do some of their teaching on principles and values in the prison system in Colombia. So they start off with one prison. They have a sort of a course that goes for 40 weeks. And it's basically teaching kingdom values like honesty, like good listening, like um, um, integrity, savings, a whole bunch of principles, 40 principles. But they use normal language, everybody. They use normal language, not Bible Christianese. They use normal language. And so they did this in, uh, in, uh, in the prisons in Colombia. And they, took, they start off with one prison. And after two weeks of doing this 40-week course, after two weeks, actually the wisdom of, uh, of it was that uh, they, they decided, led by the Holy Spirit, they decided not to focus on the prisoners, as you would think, right? That's what you think. If they're, if they're doing, if they're going to, make a difference in prisons, well, start with the people who need it most, the prisoners. But it didn't start with the prisoners. It actually started with the, with the wardens, with the guards, with the administrative staff. And after two weeks of doing this, the prisoners, two weeks, 
prisoners said, we want to do the same course that those guys are doing. So within a short space of time, every prison across the country in, in Colombia was doing it. They ended up going to Guatemala, a whole bunch of different nations, and God's been blessing them. So we went down there just to glean, because um, we've been there before, but so it was more of a refreshing thing. Uh, just, to, just to go back to George, George is doing some business consultancy, high-level business consultancy with some businesses in China. And, um, and uh, so he's been implementing these principles very st in a stealth fashion, uh, trying to change corporate culture. You have to use the right language, right? Impacting corporate culture. So he's, he's talking about the importance of having uh, the, these, these good values. And um, so after about, I don't know, 10 weeks or so of running this course, uh, people began to weep and say, I'm going to do my family differently. I'm going to treat my family differently. The owner of, the, of one of the companies says, I am going to start running this company on love, not on greed or money. Come on, everybody. That's phenomenal stuff. We haven't even talked about the people who are getting saved because they're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Okay, there you go. I'm more excited, that's all right. <clears throat> I may end up going to China with George, who knows. All right. Okay, so the reason why we haven't done communion uh, as we normally do is because I want to speak about communion this morning. I want to do some teaching on communion because I felt that it was important for us. Uh, I know we do this every week as, as, as a congregation. And to avoid us falling into a rut of just simply going through the motions of doing communion, um, I, I thought it would be good for us to do a bit of teaching to remind us of the profound, absolutely profound, awesome thing that we're actually doing when we, when we take communion. Because you know it's not just about communion, right? It's, it's not just about gathering in little groups and taking some crackers and drinking some juice and then praying for each other. Right? That's powerful as it is, but it's a sign, right? It's a, it's a rite, it's a ritual, it's a thing that we do, but it speaks of a greater reality, which is that God in the form of Jesus Christ came into this world, this broken, dark, Cayenne uh, mentioned darkness. He came into this dark world, broken world, and he brought light. He brought hope. He brought peace, he brought joy, he brought love, he demonstrated like nobody ever could what love really is, what love really is. And so every time we do this, we're remembering this incredible thing that God did for us, not just for us in this room, but for every single human being, every single person on the planet, every single person on the planet. Amen? So I'm going to go through this teaching uh, fast, and then we're going to have communion together. Do this in remembrance of me. When, when, I, when I began to meditate on this, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I thought, oh my gosh, just how amazing Jesus really is. Um, I couldn't contain myself. And I can't contain myself as I think about it even now. 
because I know it's not going to make as much sense to you as it did to me because that's how the Spirit often works. Um, but I'll try my best to communicate uh, what Jesus accomplished when he, and also when he mentioned, remember me, remember me. When you do this, when you gather around, remember me, remember me. Say, remember me, everybody. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, we just ask right now that your spirit would just move in our midst. Lord, would you bring clarity, clarity to my thoughts, uh, uh, fire in my spirit. Lord, give us attentive hearts to hear, attentive ears to hear what you're saying to us, and to remind us yet again of how stunning you are, Jesus, how radical you are, how transformational you are the power that you have available to each one of us who call you our God, our King, our Father, our Master. Come, Lord God, and speak to us. In Jesus' name. Elsie and I love taking communion. We, don't, there, we, we go through patches where we, do, where we, on our own, together, we take communion uh, on a daily basis. Um, I remember a bunch of years ago when Elsie's mother passed away. Um, quite bizarrely, soon after her mother passed away, Elsie was diagnosed with five, five significant illnesses. Like within weeks or a month or so, weeks of her mom passing. Um, you know, things like uh, pleurisy, is that one of them? Whereas water around your heart, um, chronic, not chronic, significant, major osteoporosis. Look at this charming young lady. Osteoporosis, come on, man. Ridiculous. So she had these things. She was diagnosed by doctors with these things. And so what we began to do is obviously we began to do what we, what, you know, what we were trained to do, and that is to pray through the generational curses because her mother passed away, and somehow that clicked into generational things happening. And so we prayed, we, 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 we cursed those generational curses, we placed the cross of Jesus between her and her generational lines, we realigned her with the blood of Jesus, the bloodline of Jesus, we did those things, we had some more ministry, but we also began to take communion on a daily basis. And I'm here to report that, I don't know, I forget the timeline, but within a very short space of time, every, yeah, a very short space of time, every single one of those five things completely gone. <laughs> completely gone. Because again, it's not just—it's not, just, not just about taking the communion, right? It's not just about taking the, the cracker, taking the juice, or the wine, or whatever it is you take, keto buns, whatever it is. It's not just that. It's doing it in faith. It's doing—it's doing it remembering what Jesus accomplished for us, what He made available to us, all the benefits that Jesus died to make available to every single believer. That's what, we were, that's what we were connecting to. So obviously one of them is healing, right? By his stripes, we are healed. And so we would declare that over her Ill sicknesses, illnesses <clears throat> on a regular basis. So we love taking communion. And that's, why want, that's one of the reasons why we take communion every single 
Sunday in this church uh, because we value that moment. And we don't, want to, we don't want it to become just a ritual. I know it's very easy to slide into, oh, it's communion time. Let's just gather together. Let's do our thing. We drink our stuff, say our prayers, and we go sit down. That's all. I mean, that's, that's the nature of who we are as human beings. But I want us to, 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 to remember and to choose, actually, to choose to not fall into the ritual aspect of it. We get to choose that. We get to say, uh-uh, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to engage in this moment. I'm going to engage in this process and receive the blood of Jesus from the cleansing for all my sins. I'm going to receive the, the body of Jesus for my healing or whatever it is I need. I'm going to talk about five different, sorry, eight different benefits that Jesus died to make available to us. In our world, um, uh, we, I know that Christian, some other Christian traditions, they refer to this thing as a sacrament. And in their minds, it is a, uh, a means of grace. In other words, as you, take, as you take the bread or the crackers and the juice or the, whatever, you, whatever it is you're drinking, as you take the elements or you take those things, uh, grace comes to you. And so we were, they refer to these things as sacraments. For us, in our tradition, uh, uh, we think of them more as a symbol. It's a symbol of an inward faith. An inward, we're doing an outward act to represent an inward conviction, an inward faith. Does that make sense? That's how we take communion. Because some people are concerned with whether the, the body, or sorry, the, the crackers and the juice, whether they actually change into the body and blood of Jesus. Um, we, our conviction, our belief in our, in our setting is that those are symbols of the body and the blood, right? The cracker doesn't become, doesn't change into anything else. It still remains a cracker when it goes into your stomach. The wine or juice re remains that. But the point I want to make there is simply this. The more important thing to focus on is not whether those things change, but what is the change that happens on inside of us when we take communion? There's a change that happens on the inside of us when we do this in faith, when we do this uh, in a worthy manner. Amen? So that's what we're talking about. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says. And it's an act of remembering. It's an act of remembering. Remembering everybody. I also want... Let, let me also add this. Even though we think of communion as a symbolic thing, for me it's not just a symbolic thing because the Spirit of God is with us. When we're honoring God, He's with us. And He brings the kingdom of God when we honor Him, when we do things in faith, when we do things in love. He's actually with us. So yes, it's a symbolic act, but it's more than a symbolic act because God is here in our midst. Amen? Do this in remembrance of me. Everybody knows who's uh, been around church for a while that um, the first communion, the first Lord's Supper, the first time that Jesus initiated uh, the body and the blood of Jesus, the taking of the body and the blood of Jesus, the Lord's Supper, the first time this happened 2,000 years ago was when they were celebrating the Passover. Right? Everybody knows that. The Passover. This is... 
uh, for 1,300 years, everybody. Say 1,300 years. Say 1,300 years. That's a long time, people. One millennia plus 300 years. The Jewish people were meant to every single year, year after year after year after year, take a week, seven days of every year to remember what God did for them, for the people of Israel, for the Jewish people, bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. Every year they would celebrate this. And everybody knows the story that uh, the, the ten plagues that God brought against uh, the, the, the people of, of Egypt at that time, the Pharaoh's people. And um, uh, the, the plagues came, and uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. But uh, uh, finally, the last plague was the death of every firstborn Egyptian, uh, every firstborn person, not just Egyptian, because even the Jews had to make sure that they had the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, they had to sacrifice the blood of the lamb, put it on their doorpost. And when the angel of death came and he saw the blood, he would pass over that household. That's where the word Passover comes from. So they would celebrate this. And then, of course, the coming out of Egypt, uh, Pharaoh releasing them. They're coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea into the Promised Land, seeing all the signs and wonders and provision that God made for them. So every year, the Jews were, were, were instructed to do this. So do all that so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from, from Egypt. Remember how you were brought out of Egypt. Remember how you were brought out of Egypt. So Jesus audaciously, everybody knows audaciously, right? Audaciously among his 12, he says, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. He says, when you take this bread, when you drink this cup, remember me. Yeah, you used to remember the Passover. You used to remember what God did three, 1,300 years ago. And you, and you would rehearse that every single year. You take a whole week to do it. So whenever you drink of this, of this, of this uh, cup and, and eat of my body, whenever you do that, remember me. Remember me. Take your focus off the, the, the Passover. He's speaking to his followers. Take your focus off the Passover and put it squarely on me because I am the absolute fulfillment of all those things that used to be, that are a shadow. I am a fulfillment of all those things. What, what, what God did for a specific people uh, 3,300 years ago, what God did for a specific people in a physical sense of bringing them out of captivity, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, made a way for every single human being, not just one specific group, but every single human being, wherever you come from, whether you come from India, or you come from China, or you come from Canada, or North America, or whether you were born 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, yesterday, wherever you come from, whatever time, space you, you're in, you, you have access to freedom from the bondage to brokenness and sinfulness. 
Reformation, that's not a bad word, my brother. And, the Lord, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. And so did Ramesh. Oh boy. Remember me. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed broke bread, took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, Jesus could say that. Jesus could say, take your eyes off of that, put it on me. He could say that. Why could he say that? Because if, I mean, that's a mad statement to make, isn't it? That's a crazy statement to make. For, th for 1,300 years, we have been celebrating this momentous event when God brought us brought us out of Egypt into the freedom of the promised land. And we've been celebrating that and rejoicing and giving thanks to God. Now you're saying, now you're saying, Jesus, focus on me. I mean, is, see, the only reason why he can say that with full conviction is because of the resurrection. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this would be meaningless. This would be just crazy words from a crazy man, isn't it? But because he rose again from the dead, there's nobody that I know of, apart from Jesus, who was able to predict his death and to predict his, resurre his resurrection and fulfill it. Other people have cra claimed crazy things, haven't they? but they haven't been able to fulfill it. Jesus was able to completely fulfill it. That's why we can, we can say this is amazing because he is now saying what you used to celebrate, celebrate me now, celebrate me now. I am the absolute fulfillment. Those things are just a shadow, isn't it? Amen. And then of course, he's, he, he also says, uh, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. This is what uh, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah predicted in Jeremiah 31, uh, centuries before, millennia before actually, when he, when he said, um, when the Lord said, I will put, uh, I will put the, the law on your mind, I will put it on your heart, right? It's not going to be on, on tablets of stone only, nor will it just be on parchment, but I'm going to put it on your heart. And the only way that, that, that God can do that is by himself putting his spirit on the inside of us, that we now have the spirit of the living God with us. So as, as, Rome, as Paul says in Romans, we are no longer under the law, but under grace. This is the new covenant of grace. God is showing us grace, grace, grace. Grace fundamentally means that you, when you put your trust and faith in Jesus, 
You are fully accepted in God's eyes. You are fully accepted in God's eyes. God receives you with open arms. He embraces you with open arms. Warts and all. Brokenness and all. He embraces you because you've put your trust in Jesus. That is grace. You no longer have to meet some standard, some moral standard of righteousness as good and eternal and, and valuable as that is. You, you in your own strength, we've, 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 we've shown through the course of history that we cannot in our own strength meet God's standards. That's why Jesus came. So now our focus is on Jesus, receiving him, and by receiving him, we get everything that Jesus accomplished. Amen? Come on. This is what we're doing when we celebrate communion. Okay, I'm going to move on here. No shadows. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Jesus. The reality is found in Jesus. He is the fulfillment of everything, all of the law in the Old Testament. Okay, moving right along. Okay, so here's what trying to make this a bit more practical. Um, here's what we can do. Here's what we can think about as we have communion together, whether we do it in church and small groups or whether we do it alone, alone at home or wherever we do communion. Here are some of the things that we can actually reflect on as we take communion. First one, I'll give you eight. First one was that Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven. Amen? So when we gather together to have communion, we're reminding ourselves, as Jesus says, this is the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. He did that two years, 2,000 years ago. So sins, all sins everywhere, every time, at any point in time, are, are actually forgiven if we ask for forgiveness. They're forgiven because Jesus made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. So nobody is, is on, nobody is worthy to come to receive communion, right? Nobody's worthy, but God makes us worthy. All he requires from us is faith in this, believing in this to be true. As we come, confessing our sins, he receives us, he accepts us, he takes us in, and we're able to receive of his grace, of his goodness, forgiveness. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness so that we could be made righteous with his righteousness. Righteousness, everybody knows, I think, means right standing with God. You're, we are on the right side with God. As I was saying to somebody earlier, he's not mad at you, everybody. Everybody? Listen up. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. The cup of wrath has been poured out on Jesus. So all that the Father has for us now is love and grace and full acceptance, open arms, 
You are in right standing with God. You are in right standing with God in Jesus. Is this good news or what? Remember me, Jesus says. The danger is we want to remember Jesus and remember the law as well. Jesus was, was wounded that we might be healed. Wounded that we might be healed. So we often pray when we, get, when we gather together, we actually pray for healing. Because that's in the atonement. When Jesus died, one of the things, it wasn't just forgiveness of sins. It wasn't just right standing with God. But healing in our bodies, in our spirits, in our souls. There's healing available because of what Jesus did. Everybody's super quiet. I'm going to have to start jumping up and down. Shikabungu. Everybody knows that, I, that those who know me know that I say the word Shaba sometimes. Shaba. Shaba. Well, I met a guy down in Ohio who was a pastor of a church in, in Las Vegas. And um, he's, he told me the story. He was preaching one day in his church. He was preaching. And in his preaching, uh, he was he, he felt some tongues coming up, some supernatural languages coming up. And he began to say the word Shaba, Shaba, Shaba. And so when he went home that night, he fell asleep. In the middle of the night, he woke up wondering, what does Shaba mean? What does Shaba mean? What does Shaba mean? So he goes to, where does he go? Google. Google. He goes to Google. He types in the word Shaba. And you know what the Hebrew meaning of the word Shaba is? Take captive. Take captive. Take captive. So that's cool, isn't it? All right, moving on. Moving right along. Jesus died our death so we may share his life. His life. Come on, everybody. He's giving us his life. See, the reason why this is important to reflect on is because we often forget what we have. We often forget what God has made available to us. And so even though we're Christians and we speak in tongues and we shout hallelujah and all those juicy things, we, we leave this place and from Monday to Friday we live like we don't know God, some of us. We're not in touch with who we are in Christ, in the workplace, in the school, in the office. We're not aware of who we are. We don't carry what we're excited about here. We don't carry it into the places we spend most of our time with. And I'm wanting that to happen. I'm wanting us to, be, to become aware of the fact that we are, in my new language, we are marketplace ministers. Yes, I'm a pulpit minister. This is in church. I'm a pulpit minister. But you guys, most of you, will never be pulpit ministers. Why do you want to do that for? That's ridiculous. You are meant to be marketplace ministers with same equivalency as somebody who stands there on Sunday morning pontificating but all kinds of interesting things. You, you, you have much more impact out there in the real world. Come on. Died or death that we may share his life. So we carry his life even now. It's not just waiting, waiting to die and going to heaven in Jesus' name. That's awesome. But right here and now, we have the life of God flowing through us. Shabbat. He was made a curse so we might receive a blessing. Oh my gosh. We are living in the blessing of God, everybody. Every Christian, whether you experience it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you're cognizant of it, whether you're aware of it, whether you're living in it or not, you are meant to live in the blessing of God. 
I'm not saying for one moment that hardship doesn't come our way or difficulties don't come, don't come our way. Yes, they do. But even in the midst of hardships and difficulties, we are able, we are meant to be able to connect to the blessing, to the goodness of God, to the life of God flowing through us. Amen? Okay. Jesus endured our poverty so we might share his abundance. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Not just in the next life, but right now. Abundant life right now. And, and let, let me just clarify. That doesn't for one second only mean financial stuff. He endured our poverty. Yes, yes, it, do, it does speak with financial blessing. But it's way more, way, way more than financial. Don't limit this kind of thing as some people do to just financial blessings. There's much more juice in relational blessing, everybody. When you have concrete, rich, meaningful relationships with people, that's worth a billion dollars. Did you know that? Authentic relationships with people that you can really trust and interact with and open up your heart to, that is worth a million dollars. Did you know that? That is true. Having a great job, having a good life, that's all in there. That's the abundant life. Okay, moving right along. Jesus was cut off by death so that we might be joined to God eternally. By the way, if anybody wants these notes, you can email me and I'll send them to you. Free of charge. Maybe we should charge. I don't know. Whatever. Jesus was cut off by death so that we might be joined to God eternally. I remember John Arnott saying a long time ago that if you give your heart to Jesus... And from that point on, your life completely sucks. You're still a winner. Because you are joined to God. And when you die, you go to be with Jesus forever. And not someplace else. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? You are a winner, everybody. Say it. I am a winner. I am more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. My, our old man, our old nature was put to death in him that the new nature might come to life in us. Right? That's what, that's what it's all about, Romans 6. I talked about Romans 6 a little while ago, and I'm going to spend some more time in the coming weeks talking about Romans because it's such a powerful thing. Uh, Romans 6 talks about the fact that the, the, the question is, uh, shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? And Paul says, me genoito. That is a Greek word which means no way, man. You don't do that. Not because you're trying to fulfill some law or meet some legal standard, some law standard. No, because of who you are. This is who you are in Christ. You are righteous in Christ. If you're righteous in Christ, you aren't supposed to be a slave to sin. It doesn't mean you don't sin and make mistakes. Obviously, we all do. Anybody who's been alive knows this. But the fact is, we, we have a new nature. We have a new nature in, given to us by the grace of God, by the gift of God. We have a new nature. So live out your real nature, the real you. Yeah. Live it out. Yeah. In the workplace, in the grocery store, on the beach in the summertime, wherever you are. Live it out. Live out who you are in Christ. This is who you are. And because you are righteous like Jesus is righteous... You aren't going to be a slave 
to sin and sinful, sinful tendencies. We all make mistakes, we all screw up, but we don't live there. Is that it? That's it. My wife says, that's it. That's, Otten, that's it. That's it, my brother. Okay. Shall we uh, get the uh, communion elements ready and we'll just have communion? I think we'll just do it as one big group today. Normally we break up into small groups, but this is one group. I like the idea of us together doing it as one body. By the way, the context of this I'll touch on at another point is uh, discerning the body of Christ. And it's nothing to do with the elements. It has everything to do with discerning the body. You are the body. Because, you know, the, the, the larger context of 1 Corinthians is that people were, were there were divisions being created, artificial divisions being created. Some people were saying, I follow Apollo. Yeah, yeah. I follow Apollo. I follow Paul. Some people, I follow Jesus. And there was a whole bunch of factions being created. And Paul says, this is ridiculous. When you come together, you discern the body. We are one in Christ. So, yeah. Everybody good? This is who we are, Cavion. Can I just grab one? The blood of Christ shed for me. The body of Christ broken for me. Another way of understanding what we're doing is, or another name for it is the Eucharist, the thanksgiving. Right? We're giving thanks to God for Jesus. One other thought about this thing, whenever we, whenever we uh, take this, let me go back to my scripture here. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I heard somebody speaking about this, and it was such a, uh, a wow moment for me. Because what he was saying is that the cross, what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago in time and space actually is meant to transcend time and space. It fills the past. It projects to the future. Because here's what it says. Whenever, which is present continuous, whenever, whenever, whenever you do this in this time present continuous, whenever you do this, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, past tense, 2,000 years ago, until he comes, future. So all of time is infused with this incredible moment when Jesus died on the cross. By the way, the cross is shorthand for death, burial, resurrection, right? 
when that, when that weekend, that weekend we celebrate, we celebrate what happened on, on that weekend, and it infuses the past tense, and it infuses the future, because we're looking forward to when Jesus comes again in glory. He's not coming as a servant born in a manger. He's coming as the king, the the king, the lamb. I have, I have. Thank you, Mr. Rotten. So while they were eating, this is from Mark, Mark 14. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, take it, this is my body. This is my body. This is my body. So Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for the whips, the whipping that you received both at the, at the whipping post and on the cross where your body was battered and bruised and marred beyond recognition. We thank you for the truth that by your stripes we are healed in our bodies, in our souls, in our emotions, in our minds. Wherever it is we need healing, we find it in you, Jesus. Well, so we receive your body now in faith. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it, including Judas. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, a covenant of grace and forgiveness, a covenant that says we can come boldly into your throne of mercy and grace. And we can receive whatever it is we need from you. And we thank you, God, that your promise is that there is a coming day when you will return and the kingdom of God will be fully consummated and we'll be living with you with no barriers, no obstructions because of what you did 2,000 years ago. So we receive your blood. We receive your blood, Jesus. Jesus.